Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. To begin the story, we see that Jesus is uh, passing through the city of Jericho on his ministry. He would go from city to city, town to town, and, and uh, preaching the kingdom and giving the word, and he would do different miracles. And so, obviously, in this chapter, we see that he is going through the city of Jericho. He enters into the city, and perhaps he does some teaching. He might have done some miracles. He's passing through the city and coming out. There is a man there who is a publican. And publicans are tax collectors. They are uh, the people that are hired by the Roman government in order to uh, collect the taxes for the government. I think there's a, can we just go with this microphone? I think, uh, I think we're having here. All right. And uh, so he's a, he's a tax collector and uh, he's collecting taxes for the Roman government. And because of his job, he has become rich. And the way that they would do that is not just that he would be hired by the government, but what they would often do if they were corrupt, and many of them were, would be that he would go and uh, he would call certain citizens to collect their taxes, and uh, he would charge them more than they owed. Perhaps they might have owed $1,000 in taxes for the year. He would charge them $1,200. And uh, so if somebody objected, then they would say, hey, you're overcharging me. They would pull the Roman uh, soldiers to arrest the man. He's refusing to pay his taxes. And so he would take the thousand, give it to the government and keep the extra 200 for himself. And so you could imagine that there was a lot of grumbling against the tax collectors, that there was a lot of uh, despising of the tax collectors. But many of them really didn't care that much because, well, they were rich. And that's why they got into the profession. So here is Zacchaeus, he is a publican, he's a tax collector, and really nobody other than tax collectors likes him. So you have a little community of tax collectors all together, and everybody else is kind of on the other side. Well, Jesus is passing through, and this tax collector, Zacchaeus, wants to see Jesus. But as we see, he is of little stature. He's not the tallest guy in the world. And so there's a big crowd of people all around uh, Jesus as he's going through the city, and he can't see him. So he comes up with an idea. Well, uh, I can't really see over these people, so I'm going to find the road where Jesus is is at, where he's going. I'm going to go ahead, I'm going to climb up this tree. So imagine this grown man, this wealthy man, climbing up into this tree. And uh, as the crowd is passing by, you can see them looking up there and noticing that Zacchaeus is up in this tree. And uh, Jesus goes over there, and he stops, and he looks up, and he sees Zacchaeus. And he tells Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, I'm going to stay with you. And Zacchaeus is joyful. He comes down and receives him and brings him to his house. And and he's so joyful. He's so happy. But everybody begins to murmur about this. Because they all knew how Zacchaeus got rich. He got rich by stealing money from the people. He's rich because of them. He was stealing. And so nobody's happy about this. Nobody's happy about Zacchaeus. And now they're thinking, Jesus is going to be with Zacchaeus. He's a sinner. He's a thief. He took all of our money. And and, uh, so people begin to murmur about it. And Jesus has this conversation. And uh, he concludes with this statement. This day is salvation come to this house for so much as he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man is come to seek and to save that 
which was lost. See, today we are celebrating Christmas. And I'm sure everybody has their own traditions of how they celebrate Christmas with maybe the decorations and the presents. Some people have stockings and, you know, all sorts of different ways that people celebrate, maybe with their friends and with their family. Uh, this year, uh, my uh, family from Seattle, they'll be coming down. So I think my mom and my dad and my sister, they'll be coming down. And uh, uh, that's been a great blessing over the years to have my family to come down. And uh, it's a blessing for them uh, to come down. It's a little warmer here in LA than it is up in Seattle. So they get to escape the rain a little bit and then they, they get to see their grandkids, you know, they love that. And so it's been a great time. So we, we really enjoy the Christmas season and that's kind of been our routine and uh, the way that we celebrate Christmas over the last several years since I moved to LA. And, and I'm sure as you're thinking about Christmas, you have your own traditions in your family, uh, maybe with your friends, maybe on Christmas morning, you open the presents together. Maybe you do something special on Christmas Eve. But here I want to see this one verse that really encapsulates the reason why we celebrate Christmas. And it's in verse number 10. For the Son of Man is come. You know why we celebrate Christmas? It's because Jesus has come to this earth. Why has he come to this earth? To seek and to save that which was lost. You know, on the screen, we have the phrase, joy to the world. You know, it's the song that we sang at the very beginning of the service. And, and really, the, the season brings a lot of joy. The joy comes, though, because of Jesus. You know, I love the Christmas season. I love the lights. I love how you have Christmas trees and you decorate things and you have lively music. I love everything about Christmas and all that goes on into the season. But it's not just because there are lights out that it's a joyful season. It's not just because we have time with our family. It's not just because we get to share presents with those that we love. It is because of Jesus and that he has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So I want to see three aspects this morning of Jesus and what he did here in this passage, not just for him, but also for us. Number one, we see because of his pursuit. I grew up going to church pretty much my whole life, and I know that everybody has different testimonies of when they started coming to the church and when they got saved. My parents got saved when I was very young, and so uh, I grew up pretty much going to church my entire life. And so I would go to the kids' classes, and I'd be a part of the kids' program and part of the youth group and all of those different sorts of things. And, and uh, going to these different classes, you would learn all sorts of different stories. You know, one of the, the most popular stories is the story of David and Goliath. You know, we would learn the story of David and Goliath. You know, David was just a young lad facing against this giant of a man, Goliath. And, and uh, you know, he wasn't an experienced soldier and he didn't have all of the things that Saul and some of the others had. But he fully trusted God. And because he trusted God, God worked on his behalf. And there was a great victory that day because David trusted God. And there was a great lesson there. You know what? We can all trust God, and God can use every one of us, young and old. And, and uh, you know, so as kids, we thought, yeah, let's trust God. Let's obey the Bible. Let's do what God has called for us to do. And there's many other stories in the Bible that we would learn. And Zacchaeus is one of these stories that we would learn when I was a little kid. And uh, there's a song that we would sing as kids about this. And uh, the beginning, I'm not going to sing it for you, uh, but uh, the words go, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. He climbed up in 
a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. So we would sing this song, and, uh, you know, the words are Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And so, you know, in my mind, you know, I kind of pictured Zacchaeus being this timid, little, short man, you know, not very confident, and, you know, just a little too shy to kind of push his way through the press. So he would just kind of climb up in a tree. That was the picture that I had of Zacchaeus when I was a little kid. But the Bible describes Zacchaeus as a publican. He was a tax collector. And... Being a tax collector meant that you had a very big decision to make if you were going to be a tax collector, which is you were ta collecting taxes against your fellow citizens, your friends, your family, your neighbors, everybody around you, and you knew that they wouldn't like you for it. And, uh, but Zacchaeus chose to be a tax collector, I'm sure in large part because he wanted to be rich. And if you're going to be a tax collector, what you have to do is you have to go up to people and tell them to give you their money. You cannot be a timid soul if you're going to go up to every single person in your town and tell them that they owe money and they have to give it to you. So in my mind, I kind of pictured as a kid Zacchaeus being like a little sheep or whatever. But reading the story now and thinking about who Zacchaeus was, I think he was less of a sheep and more of a wolf. More of somebody who was on the hunt. Somebody who was not afraid to get aggressive. Somebody who was not afraid to, to, to get into an argument. He, he was not afraid of, the, uh, uh, of all of the conflict that might arise. and He wasn't afraid that somebody might be upset. He was going to do his job, and he was going to collect the taxes, and he was going to get rich off of it. And uh, so that's how I picture Zacchaeus today. Ruthless and effective in getting taxes for the government, but also getting money for himself. And so here is Zacchaeus, a rich man who has gotten that way by collecting taxes, forsaking maybe his country and his fellow citizens and things like that. And, and as I considered the story, I thought, you know, sometimes when you read these stories from the Bible, it can feel like people from so long ago that, you know, these people are so different. You know, today we have all of modern technology, we have microwaves, we have refrigerators, we have ovens, we have central air conditioning and heating, and you know, we have electric cars and planes and all sorts of different things. Uh, they didn't have any of that. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have electricity. They didn't have any of these things. And sometimes it can feel like, what does Zacchaeus have to do with me? But as we read the story, I think it's quite clear that, you ever hear the phrase, the more we change, the more we stay the same. You know, there's something that's true about Zacchaeus long, long ago that is so true of people today. Zacchaeus was chasing after money, and isn't it true so many people today are chasing after money as well? They're chasing after the riches that they can get, and uh, whether it's the house that they could buy, the car that they could get, the lifestyle that they see others get to live, and going on the vacations that they see other people posting on social media. I want that kind of life. I want that kind of car. I want those kinds of things. I want to get that kind of money. And, and you see people chasing after money, and sometimes it's not money. Sometimes it's other things. Sometimes they just want respect. 
They want people to look up to them. They want people to admire them. And so they're going to really put all of their time and energy into their career and climbing up the ladder and, and people admiring them. Wow, look where they get to work. Wow, look how far up they, they got on the ladder. Look how much money they make. Look at the title that they have at their company. And, and maybe it's that. Maybe it's the pleasures of life. Uh, people are chasing all sorts of different things. But no matter what, what kind of technology, no matter what is available to us, it seems that people are still the same. We're chasing after the same things. People are chasing after money. They're chasing after power. They're chasing after pleasures. They're chasing after so many different things. But isn't it interesting that Zacchaeus seemingly got what he wanted, and yet when Jesus showed up, he realized that, you know what, I'm still missing something. That's why Zacchaeus went to Jesus. He knew you know what? I've got the life that I wanted. I got the money that I was seeking. And I got it, and I know I am still missing something. Last week, I had the uh, privilege of going up to uh, the Seattle area. Uh, my, I grew up uh, for many years in the Seattle area, went to church there, and uh, the church that I grew up in uh, celebrated their 38th anniversary of the church. And uh, so they asked me to come up, and uh, so I had the privilege of going, and uh, it's, it's nice that my family is also there. And uh, I grew up there, and I and, uh, had a lot of uh, good memories of being in the Seattle area. And uh, when I was in college, I uh, went camping with the college and career group of my church. And uh, there's a really big mountain close by called Mount Rainier. And uh, so we went camping in the summer. And so we went, uh, I think, on a Thursday or a Friday night. And uh, some of the guys had already gone up ahead, and, and uh, so we went out. And this is, this is camping, camping. You know, you park your car, and uh, whatever it is that you need, you have to carry with you. So we carried our food, we carried our water, we carried our clothes, we carried our tent, we carried our sleeping bag, we carried everything. So we had these giant bags, and, and so we're hiking out there. And uh, so uh, we hiked about two hours into the mountains, and uh, we found uh, the group that... Uh, the rest of the group that was already there. And so we just, we just slept under the stars. This is the uh, first time I remember ever sleeping under the stars. You just lay down. All the trees are going up into the skies, and you see all of the stars because there's no lights anywhere. And so, you know, I had a wonderful time going out there. And uh, the next day we woke up, we ate food, and we went on this little hike. And there's a little outpost there in, in the side of the mountain. And uh, it's, for lack of a better term, just a very fancy tree house. It's uh, this, this giant house is kind of built on stilts, if you will, and it kind of sits above the trees. And uh, there's a staircase that runs all the way up to the top. And uh, of course, it's locked. We're not able to get in. But there's a balcony kind of that's all the way around, a porch, if you will. And so we climbed all the way up to the top. And, and we were sitting up there and just kind of enjoying the view. And it was just kind of incredible. You could see out for miles and miles the mountains and the trees and the forests and and it was awesome just to be able to see God's creation and nature and how far out these mountains and these trees go. And uh, there's a lot of people that love to go hiking and camping out in the, in the woods and out in the forest and in the mountains. And it, it can be kind of thick. And sometimes people get lost. People have gotten lost before in the mountains. And uh, they gotten lost uh, whether they, you know, uh, got off the trail or the weather was bad and they got turned around. Uh, different things can happen. But as you're out there, imagine that you're out there hiking or camping out in the woods and you get lost. You don't know which way to go. You don't know which way you came from. You don't know how to get out. 
and you're looking all around, and every tree looks the same, every mountain looks the same, and you have no idea which way to go. Imagine you're there, and imagine you're wearing your fancy Rolex watch, not that you would take a Rolex watch out camping, but imagine you had your Rolex watch, and your Gucci bag, and all your fancy things in life, and imagine you're out there in the woods, you would imagine, what is the point of having a Rolex watch if I'm going to die out here in the woods? What's the point of wearing this fancy, having this fancy leather bag that everybody admires? Wow, look at that bag. If I'm gonna perish out here all alone in the woods, you would easily trade all of that if you knew that you would be found. You know, that's so many people in life. They've got the Rolex watches of life, whether it's money, power, position, pleasures, all of those things, but you know what, if you're lost, it doesn't seem to quite mean as much. You know what, Jesus, he came and he pursued after sinners. He pursued after Zacchaeus, which brings us secondly to his purpose. So imagine being lost out in the forest and simply knowing that people were looking for you. Boy, that would make you feel a lot better, wouldn't it? to know that there's a rescue party out on the search for you, looking for you, and know that Jesus is out looking for the lost, seeking and saving the lost. I read a story about a fisherman just a, a month or two ago, and uh, he got on his ship. Uh, the ship was, uh, I guess it's named Evening. It's a 43-foot-long vessel. And uh, he left out of Gray's Harbor. Gray's Harbor is like a little bay, a little harbor on the Pacific Ocean in Washington State. It's just north of Oregon, if you're familiar with Portland and all of that. It's right there. And uh, so this man got onto the ship and went out to sea. And uh, for unknown reasons, uh, I, I don't, I, the story didn't say exactly what happened, but his ship flipped over and sank. Miraculously, he was able to get the life raft out and uh, inflate it or whatever, and he, he got onto the life raft. And so here he is, out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, on this life raft, all by himself. No sail, no engines, no hope. So he's out there on the sea, and he had a little bit of food, a little bit of water, I guess. You know, those life rafts, they got those little provisions and things. And so he, he was out there, and, uh, but after days and days and days, your food runs out. So you know what he did? He began to catch fish. He says he caught a salmon. Well, you can't exactly light a fire on your life raft, so he ate it raw. Now, I like sushi, but I don't know if uh, that's the kind of sushi that I would really enjoy. You know, just catching the fish straight out of the ocean, cutting it open and just eating away. That seems maybe not the most luxurious experience in the world, but he, he was doing what he could to survive. So he's out there on the ocean for 13 days. Now, this is in October up in the, off, off the coast of Washington. The water's cold. It's not hot. He had no blankets, no extra clothes. He said he just rolled up into a ball at night just to try to keep warm for 13 days in a row. On day 13, a captain of a ship, John Plains, and his nephew Ryan were out on the ocean. 
And as they're out on the ocean, they saw something out in the distance. The sea was a little bit unusually calm, and so they were able to see something. And they, he pulled out his binoculars, uh, the nephew did, Ryan, and he pulled it out. And he, he saw a man standing on this little raft with his oar, waving it back and forth in the air. And you can imagine his surprise. There's a guy over there. And soon after, he took his very last uh, flare and lit it off and sent it up into the air. They saw that and they went over there. So they took their ship over to this man. And you can imagine the man's relief. Being out on the ocean for 13 days, not knowing what would happen, not knowing if people were even looking. He had drifted all the way up where he was off the coast of Canada now. So you can imagine the feeling of relief in his heart as he sees this ship approaching. And as they get over there, they lower down this ladder and he climbs up. And this is what John said about this man that had been rescued after 13 days out in the Pacific Ocean. He said, he just hugged me and started crying. And I just couldn't believe it. Tears of joy. He was just so happy. I mean, that makes sense, doesn't it? If you were lost out in the ocean for 13 days and you were found, you would be happy too. You'll be overjoyed. Somebody found me. I have been saved. You can imagine the joy in his heart and, and the tears coming down and realizing what it meant that, that he wasn't going to have to be out on that raft anymore. It, didn't mean, it meant that he didn't have to wonder whether he would be found anymore. He had been found and he had been saved. What a joyful day it was for that man. Many of you have a joyful day just like this man. Now, maybe not as dramatic. Maybe you've not been lost out at sea or maybe lost out in the woods, but every single one of us spiritually was just like this man lost out at sea. Every single one of us lost without hope, not knowing where to go or what would happen to us. This brings us thirdly to the passion of Jesus Christ because the story is not just about Zacchaeus and how Jesus came to seek Zacchaeus and to save Zacchaeus, this story is a picture of all of us. This Zacchaeus who needed to be saved is a picture of you and me. Every single one of us is a sinner just like Zacchaeus. Maybe you're not a thief like Zacchaeus. You didn't use your position to take money, but every single one of us has sinned. Whether we've lied, whether we've cheated, whether we've been unwilling to forgive, unkind, impatient. We could go through the list of all of the commands, committed adultery in our heart, lied, steal, all, all of these different things. Every single one of us is a sinner. Having sinned, we are lost. Out at sea, just drifting out, waiting and hoping. But there is hope. There is hope for those drifting out at sea because somebody is looking for you. Somebody is seeking after you and he wants to save you. That's why Jesus came to this earth. 
Jesus came to this earth to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to save sinners from their sin, to save them from the consequences of hell for all of eternity. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says that for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. See, every single one of us has sinned and, and the wages of sin is death. Just like that man that was lost out at sea without any intervention, there is only one end for that man. He would perish out in the seas. And the same is true for every single one of us. For all have sinned, the wages of sin is death. But the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. See, you could be saved today. Jesus has brought his ship of salvation over and lowered down the ladder of grace. And all you have to do is trust in the name Jesus Christ to be your savior. And you can be saved just like Zacchaeus was saved, just like so many others here in this room have that testimony that they have been saved. The Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. See, that's what Christmas is all about. Christmas is all about a world full of sinners that God loved. And God loved so much that he sent his son to come to seek and to save each and every one of us. And all we must do, confess our sins, call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to save us from our sins, and we can be saved just like Zacchaeus was saved and just like so many others have been saved as well.